1 Corinthians 12. Look at the whole chapter today. So uh, if you're new with us, I know Pastor Reddy uh, welcomed uh, our guest earlier, but I want to add my uh, words of welcome on there also. Uh, really thankful that you're here to uh, worship with us today and um, look forward to seeing how God's going to not only use this morning to be an encouragement to you, but how he's going to uh, build out of this morning and, and prayerfully how it's going to affect the rest of your week. And that's uh, always how we pray uh, when we think about what happens here on Sunday. That Sunday isn't just about kind of, you know, 75, 80 minutes of, of kind of singing and prayer and, and hearing from the Bible, but it's a, a time that uplifts us in that moment and then propels us out the rest of the week uh, to live differently uh, because of who Jesus is and what he has done. So um, for those of you that are familiar with the story of Jesus, um, this, this will not be as new to you, but, but so important to understand for all of us, no matter if, if you're brand new to uh, the story of Jesus and who he is and what he has done for us, um, or, or if this is something that you've heard for, for many, many years. Uh, but when Jesus came to the earth, when the eternal Son of God became man, as we just sing about, um, he came with a very specific mission, okay? He came to teach people about God's kingdom, but not only that, he came to show people who God is, and what his kingdom should look like. But he didn't stop there. We know that Jesus lived just over 30 years of life. That's not a long life before he died as a sacrifice for our sin and rose from the dead. And so Jesus very wisely imparted his mission into a group of followers who would then take his mission and expand it all over the world. So this is how it worked. When Jesus was teaching about God and his kingdom, he had these 12 closest followers, not to mention hundreds of others who would gather around him. And as he was teaching them, he was setting them an example that they could go and take that mission of words and proclaiming who he was to all people. The same is true of his works. When Jesus, for example, was caring for the marginalized of society, you know what I'm saying? Uh, healing the sick, feeding the poor, welcoming those that other people rejected. Um, he was setting an example for those around him to then go and do the very same thing after he left. And so this sentiment is captured in what I think are six of the most powerful words that Jesus ever spoke and consequently have ever been spoken in our world when he said in Matthew 10, this is when he sent out his 12 primary closest friends and followers into uh, his mission and he said this, freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, freely give. And this is not only crucial for us to understand the very essence of Christianity and what it means to know Christ and to live for him and follow him, but this is so crucial for us because, listen, you and I know that we live in a culture that says what? Freely you have received, Receive some more. Freely you have received. Like, 
If it's not about receiving more, it's like maybe give, but expect a little something in return, you know, a little kickback over here, you know, charge just a little something because after all, like you deserve, like that's. And so Jesus kind of turns our cultural expectations uh, upside down and he says, look, if you want to know what I'm about and you want to be a part of what I'm about, then you receive freely, but then you turn around and you give freely. So this new series that we're kicking off today and over the next uh, three Sundays after today is called More Than Me because the beautiful part of the Bible and Jesus and Christianity is that God invites us into a bigger story and a better story. And this story is one that tells us that life is about so much more than us. So we can take everything that we have received, our abilities that we'll look at today, our joys, our resources, our time. We can take all that we have received from God and not hold on to it tightly with clenched fence, but we can then give it away day after day after day after day. So this morning, I want us to think about what it looks like to live with a more-than-me attitude in this area of our abilities. Now, let me just pause before we jump into 1 Corinthians 12, okay? Listen, every single one of us, because we are made by God, according to to what Jesus taught us, uh, we have abilities as those made in his image, okay? So every person has abilities, but when someone steps into the life of Christ and follows him, then the deal gets a lot sweeter, okay? Because God then gifts us with what are known as spiritual gifts. We're gonna talk about what those are after we read this chapter that then enable us to, in a very divine way, to use our abilities at a whole nother level. So that's what we're going to look at this morning. If you would, uh, follow along as I read the first seven verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Here we go. It says this. Paul's writing to a church that he helped start, and he's writing back to them to encourage them and to instruct them in how they should continue to live for Jesus. And this is what he says. He says this. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed, You know that when you were pagans, that is unbelievers, uh, you were led astray to mute idols however you were led. Therefore, I do not want you to understand. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. Don't miss verse 7. It's a key verse. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So what is Paul going to to teach us here in these 31 verses, I think we can sum it up by saying this. We, We are encouraged in this chapter to show the power of God by serving others with our abilities. 
show the power of God by serving others with our abilities. And I want to give you three encouragements on how we can do that as we work our way through this chapter, okay? Uh, Number one, fulfill the divine purpose of using your God-given abilities, all right? Fulfill your divine purpose by using your God-given abilities. Okay, what is, as Paul says in the very first, now concerning spiritual gifts, we should just ask a question like, Paul, what are you talking about here? What is a spiritual gift? And we need to remember that Paul is writing to a group of people, okay, who decided that Jesus really was the Lord of everything, including the Lord of their lives. It means like he's in charge of not only this world, but even our lives personally, and he owes, he's he's worthy of our worship and our allegiance, and so they are people who have said, hey, I'm following Jesus because I was made for him. And so these were a group of imperfect people, imperfect Christians. That is a great definition of a church, by the way, just a group of imperfect people who follow Jesus. And so because they had chosen to follow Jesus, God had made them brand new on the inside, and he does this by the power of the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And when the Spirit comes to reside in someone, he gives them gifts to serve the common good. So 1 Corinthians 6 talks about this reality, and this is a mysterious and amazing reality, right? Like God dwelling in a person, how on earth does that work? But Paul just says it like this. He says, do you not know that your body is a temple, a dwelling place of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? This is a gift from God. He makes us new. He gives us his spirit. His spirit now resides or dwells in us to empower us to live for him each of our days. Now, we can break down just this terminology, spiritual gifts, and understand a couple of things right off the bat. Okay, Number one, they are spiritual. In other words, they are things that are characterized or controlled by the Spirit's work in our life. In other words, by God's work in our life. Number two, they're a gift. So just as our salvation is by grace through faith, and we can't earn it, we can't like pay God back and do enough good things to earn God's salvation and favor, just the same, we can't earn a spiritual gift. It's just given to us by God. So I like how Wayne Grudem defines a spiritual gift. This is a very broad definition, but it's one that I buy into because I think we're sometimes guilty of kind of boxing in this idea of spiritual gifts and what it can look like in our lives and in the life of our church. Grudem says that a spiritual gift is any ability that is empowered by the Holy Spirit and used in any ministry of the church. Okay? So any ability that is empowered by the Spirit to be of service, that's where ministry is talking about, is serving others in the life of a church, which is one like our church, right? Redemption Hill Church. So I I like this because what we're tempted to do is assume that when Paul is listing some of these spiritual gifts, like look look back at verse uh, 8 of chapter 12. He says, for, for to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. There's a gift. Another, the utterance of knowledge. There's a gift. 
according to the same spirit, to another faith, a gift, healings, a gift, workings of miracles, a gift, a prophecy, ability to distinguish between the spirits, that's discernment, that those are gifts, various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues, all these are empowered, verse 11 says, by one and the same spirit. Then we can move down to verse 28 and He'll just go again and say, like, these are some other gifted people in the church. You have apostles and teachers. Then you have miracles, gifts of healing, helping, administrating in various kinds of tongues. And, and, and so that's one list that we have in 1 Corinthians 12. We have another list in Romans 12 that talks about administration and leadership and service and teaching. And so, like, is, is, is this a comprehensive list? Is Romans 12 a comprehensive list? I'm saying... It doesn't seem that way to me that Paul is giving examples of how the Spirit empowers people to serve in the life of the church for the common good. So I like this broad definition of what a spiritual gift can be and look like. Now, uh, if that is what a spiritual gift is, why do we have them? And Paul answers this question. This is why I said verse 7 is really important. I hope you got verse 7. To each one is given what? A manifestation of the Spirit... For the common good. So there we have the twofold purpose of spiritual gifts. Okay, number one, received from God, spiritual gifts actually point people back to God. Now, this is, this is a phrase, and I like the Bible um, is, 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 we believe, a, a book that's inspired by God to communicate truth about God and about us and about how we can know God and live our lives for God and consequently then uh, affect those around us and improve their lives just as our lives have been improved, right? So, so when you see a phrase like this, like this is kind of like stop us in our tracks, a manifestation of the Spirit. What does that mean? Manifest is not a word we use a lot these days, okay? Manifesting is showing something, right? It's revealing something. And so if, if you are in Christ, then you can put yourself at the beginning of verse 7. It says, to each. To each is given. And what are we given? We are given a manifestation of the Spirit. In other words, as we exercise our gifts, we are showing the power of God to the world as we care for people, help people, serve people, pray for people, encourage people, tell people about who God is. All of this, believe it or not, through us is an opportunity to show God to one another and to the world. And so this is why these first few verses are so foundational here. When Paul says, look, look back at verse 3. He says, therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. So what's happening here is that Paul is setting this up saying all of our giftedness, all of our divine abilities are designed to point people to who God is and to who Jesus is. You got that? Like next Sunday, we're going to uh, hear from some people who have chosen to follow Jesus uh, with their lives. So they're, they're, they're new to the faith. And, and what we're going to do is we're actually going to hear from their, them just a few minutes of their story. And then we're going to get to see them baptized. And part of their confession is that Jesus is Lord. They've said that 
by the Spirit opening up their eyes to see who Jesus is and to confess him as Lord. And so all of this is to point people to who Christ is and what he has done. As we think about this past week, we can think about a tragic example with Hurricane Matthew. I mean, I'm sure all of us saw the news and we saw the destruction from Haiti, which was just sobering and and should leave us speechless with what we saw there. And then Matthew made his way up the east coast of the southern part of the United States. And so what we saw there is that there was a manifestation, right, of the power of nature at work, and you could see the trail of devastation that Matthew left behind. Now, I want us to take that imagery, and I want us to flip it upside down and and put some light into it, right? Because what Paul is saying is that when we live in the Spirit, when we walk in the Spirit, when we exercise spiritual gifts— Our lives leave a trail of demonstration of evidence that God's power is actually at work in us. I mean, what a beautiful, what a beautiful image, right? Like the storm tracker and the path and like where this thing is going. Like if someone just followed your life and they could kind of track like, your movement through the week as you're going to work and in your neighborhood and hanging out with friends and there's just like this kind of arrow, like what what would be left behind you as you move from one endeavor to the next? Is Is your life a force for good? Is your is your life building others up by how you are being used by God? That's the goal. That's that's the purpose of spiritual gifts. We receive them from God so that we can point other people to God. And then number two, we receive them from God to then serve the common good. This is all in verse 7. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So I want you to think about it like this, okay? I just had this, this image as I'm kind of working through this. Um, this is very simple, okay? I'm not, I came up with the word lead, by the way. Pastor Reddy said uh, we call this leadership development program, which if you're interested in, contact me. I'd love to talk about how we can uh, see you grow in your leadership, uh, uh, you know, gifts and experiences. Well, um, I'm not very creative, all right? Not, not one of my spiritual gifts. Um, but I think... This, this sticks, all right? We should live an L-shaped life, all right? So, so this is how it works. God gives us gifts, and then we take those gifts that we freely received, and then we give them out. You see that? Like vertical to horizontal. Very brilliant. Hey, I passed kindergarten, all right? Uh, horizontal to serve others. Like everything that we receive from God, then we turn around and we give it away so that other people can experience his goodness through our lives. God gifts us to serve one another. He gifts me for your sake and you for my sake. The whole purpose is that we would build each other up and strengthen one another's faith. So if you are living with a a more-than-me mentality, then you're taking that, you know, gift of hospitality and you're using it to strengthen someone. 
to build them up. If you're good with administration, then you need to get partnered up with some of our events or what's happening on Sunday mornings, and you need to help us plan those out. If you have the gift of mercy, you've been given that to strengthen somebody. Teaching, I mean, even even playing musical instruments in in an edifying way, I believe is a gift from God to be used for him. But now here's a fun question. Is this common good restricted to those inside this group known as a church? Is that what Paul means? Like, so each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Does the common good mean like the people who gather in a church on a regular basis? No. We can't, we, can't, we can't limit it to just this common good around. So I think that's the focus of 1 Corinthians 12. And I think we should definitely seek to build one another up. But listen, at some of these gifts are not only so that we can teach others about Jesus in the context of the church, but they are most certainly so that we can teach anyone about Jesus in the life of our, outside of the walls of our church, Right? I mean, just like you can't read 1 Corinthians 1 or 2 or 3 or 4 or 9 or 14 or 16 and conclude that the spiritual gifts are limited to this collection of people known as the church, but they are given so that the world can know who Jesus is. Like if Jesus really died on the cross for our sin, which means we had a problem with God and he rectified it, and then Jesus really rose from the dead, which is what we believe, by the way, like that is good enough news to get outside of our present reality, right? And we're going to talk more about that coming up. I'm a little bit excited about it. Um, so here, here we go. When we live lives that display the gifting of the Spirit, we just, we just covered it, right? Like we will point others to God, which means as we're being the church to one another and we're serving one another and we're caring for one another and we're encouraging one another, we're doing life together, then people are going to see that. That's what Jesus said, by this all men will know that you're my disciples. If you love one another, then the L-shaped life actually becomes, check this out, all right, this is deep, uh, the U-shaped life. You see that? So, so like we receive it from God and then we give it to one another horizontally. And as we're giving it to one another horizontally, then it's going back up to God and saying people like scratching their heads. Like, why are these people so sacrificial? Why do they give their own resources and they put their own pocketbook on the hurt so that someone else can be helped with it? Like no one else is doing that. Something must be going on there. Oh, maybe God lives inside of those people. So, we fulfill the divine purpose of using our God-giving abilities, like the U-shaped life, the, I mean, the, the L-shape, the U-shape, it comes back to the U-shape. That's, that's the goal. That's the purpose. Um, now, how do, we, how do we get there? And that's number two. We reveal the power of God as we use our God-given abilities. This is going to be very short, okay? Here, here's some really good news for us. God does not say, hey, go be about X, Y, and Z, but like you're on your own here. When God sends us out with an assignment, he gives us everything we need to make that happen. 
So uh, we see this in verse 6 where uh, Paul says, and there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who what? Who empowers them all in everyone. We see this in verse 11. All these gifts that he just named, all these examples, they are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. So the, the goal here is that uh, we receive this, this spiritual strength as we're walking through life. Like every single day, God empowers, energizes all of our activity for him so that they really make a difference. Right, so th- think about this, like just, just kind of inside on my life and, and, and my assignment from God. Okay, like I can get up here and kind of prepare something and, you know, and, and, and do my best, all right? But, but if God does not take it and work and, like, give me the... Do you think that every week in my life is great? Uh-uh, no. So there are some weeks, man, where I'm tired and I'm up here and I'm like, my sermon, I'm telling you, it would be horrible, Absolutely horrible. Some of you are like, man, I already knew that, man. I've heard a lot of those. Uh, but just be merciful and exercise that gift if you have it. You know what I'm saying? Um, we all supposed to be. Um, man, where was I going with that? I'm all messed up now. God helps us, right? God empowers us. And not only to, to actually engage in this activity that he's called us to, but to also make it count. Does that make sense? Like I can say a lot of words, but if God doesn't take these words of teaching from his book and like put them into your heart, where like you can't, you, like you can't shake it. Like you just like, you didn't sleep through that sermon. You know what I'm saying? Like God just made it go right there and your life is different because of what happened here. Like that is empowering. That is God strengthening us for the task. So this just begs another question that I think we should all just put on the table here. If, if God is the one who gives us the gift, and if God is the one who empowers the gift, then what do any one of us, myself included, what do any one of us have to be proud about? Like, like how, could, how could we exercise pride as if the gift came from us, if God is the one who gives the gift, and if God is the one who energizes the gift, if God is the one who makes the gift count. So as we think about serving, all right, like the church is not an arena for us to demonstrate how great we are, you know? Uh, the, 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 the church is not a stage that we perform on. Like I know we meet in a theater and this is a stage, okay, but like no one's performing up here. This is not a performance. These, these uh, people, these friends who were leading us in song, it's not a performance. It's serving. It's serving together. It's serving you. So that we can grow in grace and be strengthened in what God has for us. This is all throughout. I mean, verse 11, God apportions. Verse 18, God arranges. Verse 24, God composes. Verse 28, God appoints. The spotlight is always on him. 
in these spiritual gifts. So we fulfill the divine purpose. We uh, reveal the divine power. But then number three, and we'll spend a little more time here. Uh, here's the third encouragement. Play your part. Play your part in the larger story of God's people. So what Paul does here, he's really good at this, all right? He takes metaphors from life and he says, like, this is what a spiritual reality is like, okay? So he'll say, look, the church is like a building that's being built, and the stones are all connected together. And without one stone, you know, then, then things are going to go bad. Um, and, and so here's another example of Paul saying the church is like a human body, and Jesus is in charge of the, this deal. Okay, he's the head of the body, but then the body is made up of a lot of members or parts that help it function properly. This is where he's going through the rest of the chapter, and I want to read it for us, okay? So picking up in verse 12, this is what Paul writes. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. It's like everyone has everything in common because of what God has done. He has brought us and made us one. Verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member. This is a one-man show, one-woman show, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would make it, not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts yet one body. It's almost comical how Paul's drawing out these examples, saying, look, everything works together in a beautiful unity of a beautiful diversity to make this thing go. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the foot, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and on our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another." If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Okay, so, so he, here's, here's the message. We all we all like if I had the time, I would stare every one of you down just to make the point. You know what I'm saying? Like every single one of us we all have a part to play. We're not all going to play the same part because God has gifted us in different ways. He has made us in different ways. We have different strengths, different personalities, different abilities, different things to bring to the table. But in this diversity, there is a beautiful unity that is being worked out. So what does this mean, Pastor Tanner? This is what it means. Every part has value at Redemption Hill. The part that you play has value 
immense value at Redemption Hill. The part that you will play, you know what I'm saying? If you're new, if you are new, the part that you will play. I like that. Um, Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Pointing to you. This is what I'm doing up here. All right. Has value at Redemption Hill. And don't you say that it doesn't. Don't say that. Don't say that your part doesn't matter. Because if you like, if you're saying like, you know, I'm just a pinky toe, you know what I'm saying? Like I ain't got a very big part here, um, then then you're guilty of what's going on in Corinth, right? Like this is exactly what they were saying apparently in Corinth. Like if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. If the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. Like people were basically saying, I'm not needed around here. My, my part isn't very significant, so I can just kind of tuck away back in the background and not play my part because I'm not very useful to this thing called the body known as the church. This usually happens, by the way, through the what I like to call the nasty curse of comparison. Okay, so it's like, you know, Tanner's on stage, and you know, I, I just count money, and, um, you know, what, 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 what use am I around here? Like, I, I, just, I just set up the resource table in the lobby. I'm not up there singing songs. I wish God gave me an awesome voice, but he didn't. So, you know, like, what, what do I do with that? We need each part to function properly. Uh, another uh, way this happens is by su- assuming, listen, that all the needs are met. You know what I'm saying? Like, there are a lot of people in our church must mean that everything's taken care of. And so we just kind of assume, like, man, it looks like things are getting done here, so there must not be opportunities. But I can tell you there are plenty of opportunities to serve in the life of our church. That is actually one of the reasons why I want to see us grow as a church, not only deeper with God relationally with one another, but also wider with more people coming because when we add people, God is going to equip them and gift them with spiritual gifts so that they can serve one another in our church and serve our community at large. And so our church will get stronger as more people come to be a part of it. So if you're coming to be a part of it, then God has gifted you with some abilities to use for the sake of those people that you see around you and for his sake. Without each gift at work, the body is deficient. So then the encouragement is if each part, the part that you play, has value at Redemption Hill, then play your indispensable part. Play your indispensable part. Um, No one can say, you don't need me, but then no one else can say, I don't need you. Apparently, that was also happening in Corinth because verse 21 says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Like, we just, we don't do that, right? We, we all need one another. And I love what Paul says. Like, don't miss this, okay? Maybe you missed it when I was reading it kind of fast. All right, but look back at verse 22. What does he say? On the contrary, the parts of the body that what? Seem. Seem to be weaker. Or what? That's right. Indispensable. So, so there may be some, some roles, some parts to play 
on Sunday morning in your group as you're going through life, and you like, man, this, this doesn't seem to be all that important, but God is saying, no, that's what I have assigned you in this time, and it is indispensable. The last shall be first in God's upside-down kingdom. The servant shall be the greatest. The guys who get here at 7.30 to put these speakers together are just important in God's economy as the guy with the funny microphone around his ear. You know what I'm saying? Thank you, Pastor Reddy. We need some leaders. We need some servants around here. I want to tell you about a guy named Chip Brown. Chip is a guy that you would never hear of in your life if I didn't tell you about him this morning. He's a guy that served in the student ministry where I was uh, serving in college as a, as a youth intern. And uh, Chip was the guy that got there and set everything up before anybody arrived. And he, he never stepped foot on stage. He never, he never taught from the Bible. Like, he just, he just kind of hung out in the background and then after everything was over, you know what Chip was doing? He, he took a broom and he just would clean everything up. And, and when I was like, Chip, hey, man, I'm the intern. Like, I can finish up here. I, like, I even get paid to do it. Not much, but a little bit. Um, he would say, no, Tanner, go home. Like, this is what I want to do. This is, this is how God has called me to serve. So, so I want to ask you a question. Does God take any less delight in Chip's life and how he's working out his gifts than he does mine? Absolutely not. God takes us right where we are and he delights to use us right where he places us and how he's called us to serve for the common good and for his glory. The kingdom of God advances because of people like Chip. And that's how it's always been, and that's how it always will be. And so, listen, I think this is what verse uh, 25, I believe, is getting at when it says um, that there may be no division of the body, but that the members, take this out, may have the same care for one another. So, like, I think that, that there should be, I think this happens at our church, by the way, but I think there should be a lot more of, like, man, you did an awesome job hosting group this week. Thank you for using your gifts. Man, what you said to me last week, it was just a perfect, timely word of encouragement, and it really changed the trajectory of my entire week. Hey, you know what? Thanks for just listening. Just thanks for being there for me and exercising some empathy and compassion when I was hurting and really going through it. Thanks for getting here early and serving with our kids and teaching them and spending time with them and showing them that God is, is real and loving and even, yes, like fun and to be celebrated. Thank you for serving in Transformation Station. This takes us just a couple final questions, okay? Like, so Tanner, if, if we all have a part to play and my part has value and is indispensable, then like how do I know where I should serve? And just a couple of encouragements, okay? Like number one, just start serving. 
know what I'm saying? Just like, just get in the game and start serving. And as you serve, you will find out what you enjoy and what you're good at and where you receive encouragement and affirmation. And and you're probably going to just discover how God has gifted you as you move out and as you serve. But related to that, a great way to discover your gifts, okay? I would say an even better way than taking a test online, which they actually have those. If you've never seen those before, they're, they're real. They exist, okay? It's not an altogether bad thing, but I'm just saying, like, you know, do that. But also get in a group and serve people around you and see how God uses you to strengthen other people as you serve. It's as simple as that. Start serving. Get in a group and see how God uses you to build others up in their faith. And so then the second question is this. This is the, this is the million-dollar question, I think. If, like, if, if, if all of this, like the last you know, 39 minutes, uh, means probably much beyond today, uh, then I would just say, um, how are you using your God-given abilities? How are you taking what God has freely given you and then freely giving it to other people so that other people, including them, including yourself, can be pointed to God? Let me ask you this. Will you be a passenger or will you be a participant? Someone once said, as a church grows, so does its number of passengers. In other words, like, as more people are involved, we talk about, like, then, then everything must be taken care of, and they don't need me to get in the game and participate, but that couldn't be further from the truth. Some people say that usually in churches, 20% of the people do 80% of the work, right? And, like, if that is our church, I don't think it is, but we could do probably better, uh, then we are not thriving as a church. We want to be a church where everybody is in the game, serving, using their God-given gifts for the sake of others. And here's the beautiful thing. As we do this, what, what happens? We show God's power. We strengthen the people around us. We maximize our joy. We become more like Jesus who came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And we display, check this out, we display our love for God and our love for one another, our neighbors, as we are about this business, which is actually, I wish we had time today. You're thankful we don't, maybe, but wish we had time to see that in verse 31, Paul says, earnestly desire the higher gifts, and what? I will show you the more excellent way. And what is the more excellent way? It's the way of love. 1 Corinthians 13 is all about doing what we do in love for the sake of loving God and loving others. So I just want to pray that as we move out and as we serve one another, we serve God together, that each of us will take a next step, whatever that looks like, so that we can be about this business of showing God to the world. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that you have not only made us new, but that you have gifted us with divine abilities for divine purposes, with divine power, to play a divine part where you have placed us to be used 
for you and by you, for you and for the sake of others. So God, I pray that uh, as these friends consider how you want to use them, that you would lead them to a next step. Perhaps some of them might say, you know what, I've never served on a team, but I hear uh, the leaders talk about connecting with a group and serving with a team. And so I want to take that next step of serving with the team on Sundays here at Redemption Hill. God, I pray that you would give people the courage to not say, hey, I'm just a pinky toe. I don't see how it would fit. I don't know what part I am, but God, I pray that you would help them to step out and take that next step of faith to say, hey, I want to play my part and participate in what you're doing in this church and in this city. So God, however you want to move in our lives, God, we pray that our yes would be on the table and that you would use us for your glory. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.